Hello everyone, I'm Sam Matler and this is another episode of the EDM Prod Podcast. I hope you've been having a fantastic week, uh, I certainly have. And in this podcast, I interview Santos Torres. And Santos is a good friend of mine, but he's an even better producer, as you'll find uh, from this interview. I do encourage you to listen to his music if you haven't already. He produces under the alias Monoverse, uh, if you're unaware. And like I said, his music is phenomenal. Now, in this interview, we talk about a number of things, uh, including how he makes his bass lines, and it's worth mentioning that his bass lines are incredible. Uh, they, they really stand out. They punch through the mix, and they're just really powerful. We also talk about the trance scene as a whole. So if you're interested in that, uh, you know, is trance still popular? Is it dead? Uh, and why do so many trance producers release on labels and not, you know... Um, run an independent career where they release free downloads and and uh, build hype that way we talk a little bit about uh, social media and also his label amped artists and uh, the future of that label now just before we get into this interview i want to ask you for a quick favor if you've been enjoying this podcast so far or even if you just enjoyed this episode, it would be awesome if you could go to edmprod.com slash iTunes uh, and leave a rating or review or both uh, on iTunes. Now, this helps a lot uh, to get the podcast out there and get more producers listening to it. So if you could do that, that would be awesome. Would really appreciate it uh, and it means a lot. Anyway, without further ado, I'm going to welcome Santos Torres slash Monoverse. I hope you enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the EDM Pro Podcast. I'm Sam Matler and today I'm talking to Santos Torres, a good friend of mine and also a phenomenal producer. Santos, how are you? I'm very well, man. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So, uh, before we get started, I just want to congratulate you on your latest release, uh, Take You Away. Now, that is the, the second highest release in the top 10 releases on Beatport. Is that correct? Yeah, it just reached, uh, ju- just jumped to number two today, and uh, tomorrow is my birthday, so hopefully it'll it'll be number one tomorrow. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Oh, definitely. I mean, I mean, you you deserve every uh, every bit of it, to be honest. Well, thank you, man. Yeah, I'm really happy with it, and uh, you know, I'm super proud. The vocalist is just like this amazing new face of the trend scene, uh, Leilani, and uh, just super happy to have this release. You know. Hmm. So, I mean, 
for those who who are listening and, and don't know you, why not give us a bit of background? What got you into music and uh, where are you at currently? Yeah, so I started, you know, like a lot of us do, with which is just DJing and making mixes. And I used to do it uh, back when I was on like the track team in high school. I needed mixes to like run to and work out to. So that's how I started, actually, uh, which eventually led me to making mixes for friends. Uh, and then I found myself on the transatic forums and the local events pages found a local uh, promoter who was just looking for someone like a bunch of people to DJ. Uh, that was the first time I played out. And sometime after that, I just decided that I had more to offer than playing other people's music. So I figured, you know, let me try try my hand at production. It didn't really start as anything. Like I didn't set out like, oh, I need to get signed to this label or anything. I just started making music because I wanted to contribute to the trans community with my own work in whatever capacity. And uh, yeah, that ended up with me signing to a very small record label under an alias that you will never find because I'm so, so regretful <laughs> that I did that. <laughs> but uh, can you give us any any hints? No, absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no one. There's only a handful of people at this point that actually know uh, the alias and the track that it was, and uh, you know, super embarrassing. But uh, after that, you know, a couple months later, I ended up in this collaborative project called the Dastra with two other guys. Uh, and that was very crucial to my development as a music producer. You know, I have to thank them always. Uh, that's uh, Adam Shorney's and uh, Fernando Ruiz. Uh, we worked together for like two years and, you know, life kind of got in the way. So I started releasing uh, whatever I was working on under this new alias, Monoverse. And yeah that's kind of where i am now really uh just working with various record labels and you know it's really picked up in the past i mean i've only been releasing as monoverse for i think three years now and probably the past like year and a half or two have been like super productive just a lot of support for my work and i couldn't be happier for where i am now and just keeping the momentum up at this point <laughs> for sure man i mean you know you mentioned that uh you're being super productive and i have to agree i i mean your output kind of blows me away how do you make so much music uh and and you're not doing it full time are you because you were at uh college yeah i'm i'm actually still finishing up college i i have three yeah i have three classes left finally i'm like i've been in school forever but uh you know I had some, so I did have some time where it was just like I was going to school part time, or I even took like a semester off to deal with like some family issues that were going on. And uh, during that time, uh, it was just music and like you know one or two classes or whatever. But yeah, there were there were uh, there was a lot of time that I was going to school full time, working full time, and working on music full time, and having a girlfriend full time. So I was, <laughs> you know, I was not sleeping at all. But uh, yeah. Um, as far as my output goes, I mean, I'm really glad that you mentioned that because I do try to, I mean, the thing is, is there's so much out there and especially trans music, the, the production quality is so high and you find these guys that are on like these big radio shows like every week with a new track and it blows my mind. So I'm just kind of striving to keep up at this point. And, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, as far as how I do it, it's, it's a bit of luck, I think. I, I've really, I've really figured out my workflow, and like, I, I take kind of like a no bullshit approach. Uh, uh, approach, and sorry for cursing, but uh, 
<laughs> oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm very, I like to keep my workflow very streamlined and um, it, it really doesn't take me long to finish a track um, once I have the idea. And it's usually like two or three weeks between ideas and, and then maybe a day to finish the idea. So it's like, I, I think my, my productivity really comes from the ability to finish a project fast and not really from making all these like there I'll, I'll make during a two or three week time span I'll, it'll just be me sitting here making complete garbage and i'm like i'm not happy with anything but then you know after a couple of weeks of doing that i'll have this one idea that really i just run with for a day and it you know ends up being a track that i release so so kind of those ideas that uh end up really making themselves yeah, the, those are the only ones I even find that I release because, you know, I if I end up spending more than a couple days on a project, I, I realize I'm forcing it and it's not going to come out as good as the ones that, you know, write themselves. And I mean, it, it even stands true with like remix work. I've done remixes that take me, you know, three, four months and it's just it's it's painful, you know, and and then they're, you know, my best remix work, the ones that actually people really enjoy. I've done it in a day so it's like it stands true with everything it's just the ones that come together and write themselves like you said are the ones that make it you know make it to the surface and the rest i just kind of realize i have to scrap because they're crap mm-hmm. for sure i mean i i remember interviewing uh naden i think yeah a, a while Great back producer. yeah he's fantastic and he was saying uh, you know, if I don't manage to pretty much finish a track in one session, not finish completely, but at least get it, you know, 80% done, uh, right, I yeah. just abandon it because it's never going to work, uh, which is really yeah. interesting. I, yeah, I, I totally uh, agree with that kind of work. I think there are some tracks where it does take a little bit longer. Um, and I remember Audion talking about this at a conference. He was saying, you know, there are times where you'll start with a good idea and you end up working on it for a long time and you kind of lose that initial uh, buzz or excitement, but you know it's a good idea because in the first few hours, you know, it excited you, so you keep working on it anyway. Um, it's kind of like that persistence or perseverance that has to kick in sometimes. Yeah. I mean, uh, see, the thing is with me is I never, like, if I really enjoy an idea, I never lose that passion. Like, I, I ne- there's never a point in any of the tracks that I have finished where I'm like, Oh, I need to stop working on this because I'm just tired of it. Um, I just, that just doesn't happen for the ones that I really enjoy. And the ones that I do hit that wall with are the ones that I tend to realize I'm like, this isn't worth it. And obviously, like you said, I think what, what not said about, uh, you know, the 80% thing is a, a great marker because, uh, you know, you can sit there endlessly tweaking a mix down or whatever, like, that that to me is not part of finishing the track i mean one i think if you get the first 90 percent done you know the rest can be you know it could be months before it comes out you get the you you have so much time to really do the finalization of it so it's like you know i i think that's a good way to put it is like you know if you if the first 80 90 percent of it comes together then you know that's a project that's you know worth finishing off even if it's you know sitting around for a while but if you have that passion to finish it that much in the first place yeah yeah and i mean you've you've had a lot of releases and i remember um with with our collaboration which isn't out yet you know there were a lot of tweaks that had to be made uh yeah you know, after we we kind of <laughs> called it done 
and then there's you know months uh, of back and forth i mean that's another situation too which is like we were happy with where it was and then you know you deal with the record label and you know they're saying change this change that it's got to be this got to be that you got to edit the arrangement whatever and uh you know that's a different you know that's a different monster altogether and i think that's kind of like the downside of working with you know, not being an independent producer and signing the record labels is, you know, sometimes you lose that control to just put out what you're happy with and you have to kind of please someone else. But I don't really consider that part of like, like that track was done in, in my opinion, the day that we demoed it, you know, and then whatever we had to deal with in getting it released was just like, you know, that was, that's a completely separate and unrelated kind of thing for the track at that point. It's just like working to make someone else happy, you know? True. So I, I want to go off on a little bit of a tangent for a moment. Uh, you know, you mentioned that working with labels can be a little bit frustrating at times. I there, there are quite a lot of people in, say, the future bass scene or, you know, deep house that are completely independent artists. They release their own music for free. But I personally don't see it happening much in the trance scene. Do, do you know why that is? Yeah, actually, I, I absolutely do know why that is. And that's because those scenes have these massive reach, like this massive audience in the blogosphere. And that doesn't exist for trance. Like, and I don't know, I don't really know why, but like take, uh, for example, like all those like future based dubstep, you know, indie electronic sort of stuff. You have all these blogs on Hype Machine and there's, you know, there's hundreds of them. But the one <laughs> for trance, there's like two hype machine blogs maybe <laughs> at this point that post and they only post stuff from like the top one percent you know actually i just had you know after three uh three years of releasing his moniverse this this first vocal track was actually featured on dancing astronaut and you know that gets aggregated to hype M, and that's like unheard of for trans artists and that's why you don't really see it because you know, everyone needs to be on these labels like Armada and, and Injuna because they still have the audience on their own. But otherwise, no one else has reach like that. And these future bass guys, you get a couple of hype machine posts and you're fucking famous overnight. And it's kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of jealous of them, you know, and I, 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 it, I hope that changes for trans because it would be great to see that kind of support be there for the market, but it just doesn't exist. Blogs don't want it. The trans community doesn't share it from the blog. So like I was talking to the, uh, one of the writers from your EDM and they're like, yeah, we just don't even post our trans articles to social media because nobody, nobody reads them. Nobody shares them. Like the trans community doesn't participate. So why should we post it? And that kind of has shot trance in the foot in the in the blogosphere, you know. So mm, I, I mean, there are kind of two kinds of there are two kinds of people out there, you know. A lot of people say uh, trance is dead and it's not coming back. Some people say it is coming <laughs> back, and I honestly don't know what to think. You're you're more involved in the the scene than I am, and I mean, over in New Zealand, there literally is no trance scene at all. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think it's it's making a comeback or or not? Well, here's the thing: is ever since I've been a trance listener, people have said trance is dead and never coming back. <laughs> but it's always been around, like mm, you know, in mm. one shape or, or another, and it it does kind of pull from other genres. 
and there's always you know it would you know like big room is big now and now you're hearing a lot of big room trance when i first started listening uh, to trance music it was like electro was a really big thing and you had people like above and beyond you know they had like air for life which has which has that really electro baseline influence you know and you know trance has always kind of been that genre that kind of a little bit piggybacks on whatever is popular in electronic music, but it's always going to be there in one way, or one way or another. You know, if there's, and I don't think there's ever going to be a point where no one's producing trance and no one's listening to trance. Yeah, at times it's been more popular, and you know, certain times it's been less popular. But that's with any genre. That's true. Uh, now I know wh- one thing I like about you is you're kind of one of those people who. Um, you're not a pessimist when it comes to trance because a lot of people say, you know, uh, the, the stuff that's coming out these days lacks quality uh, and you <laughs> like just, just this morning I went on YouTube and, um, a, an upload from Anjuna Beats popped up and it was an old track from, from 2001 and you know, all the comments are like, oh, this, I can't even, I already know where this is going. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know where it's going. Uh, you know, oh, this track is, oh, these were the days when, when Anjuna Beats released good music. Now you say, and I've seen you do it a lot on social media, uh, there is still good trance out there. You just have to look for it. Absolutely. And you know, people, I, and here's kind of the the downside to this is that trance was always big in like forums and websites like you know trance.nu and transfix.nl and people would find these smaller releases through those forums right but then music got geared towards all this social media and you know facebook and twitter and whoever pays the most gets heard right so nobody's oh people were only seeing oh you know andrew rael or you know these Mm -hmm. really you know big name artists like tritonal right but no one's no one's seeing the posts about the people on enhanced progressive or the smaller armada labels you know and juna is kind of a different story but i think you know they've kind of held true to what they're doing and you know their releases get heard and yeah a lot of people will be like oh this is not trance or whatever but i think it is it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. trance in one one form or another but in any case like you're right like it, it i always say there's good trance out there people are just not finding it and it, that effect has been amplified by like this surge towards social media and away from like stuff like forums and um, it, that's kind of made it more difficult, I think. And people are lazy, like they just don't want to look for music. They want to, you know, they want to go on Facebook and see whatever's being shoved down their throats. And then they think that that's whatever that, you know, it's kind of like the one egg ruins the bunch kind of thing, like, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of people get really upset. They 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 hear an Orjan Nielsen track in its big room or whatever, or a W&W track in its big room, and they're like, oh, these, all the trance artists are like this these days. It was so much better when I was listening to trance. Now I'm into techno and deep house. I'm so cool. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's the same with any music. There's a lot of crap in every genre. It's just people's patience, you know, they're, they're past the honeymoon stage with trance and they're like, well, you know, if I can't find it right at the beginning, I'm not going to keep looking. And so they find, you know, you know, whatever genre, you know, they go to Deep House and they're like, oh, this is amazing because it's new and it's fresh. In five years, they're going to be like, man, Deep House was so much cooler when I listened to it. Now it's all about dub techno. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's it, there's. I could go on for days. I'm sorry. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, one thing that 
I kind of like how how trance has progressed for one main reason. The production quality has just gone through the roof. Oh, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's some insane. of the releases are just. And I, I I said this recently in an interview. I think it was just like trance kind of has like this absurd production quality at this point that has actually made it hard for people to be like you know unique or you know try and do their own thing because it has to hold up to these ridiculously high standards of music production and i you know it has its ups and downs it's great for like live sets and stuff but on the other hand if you're a new producer trying to make trance what are the chances you're going to get playlisted next to some of these guys you know Mm, exactly and you've you've talked about this production quality thing before i think i saw a comment on uh on edm production the the subreddit yeah you said I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was something along the lines of, I actually think trance is one of the hardest genres to make um, for such reasons. Um, I mean, do you want to unpack that a bit? Yeah, I actually remember what I posted and I I pretty much broke it down and said, you know, first off, like the, the, the use of like uh, stereo effects and like, you know, reverb delay, that sort of stuff is so on point in some of these trance tracks that you just have this amazing depth to the to the to the stereo spectrum right and i think that's firstly one of the hardest things to master as a producer especially if you're working on like a less than ideal setup it's just like get i think for me getting reverb right was one of the hardest things i ever did and it was a matter of like you know trying different plugins you know tinkering with settings endlessly finding really what works and you know the combination of different stereo effects like that and trance and really well-produced trance tracks is just, you know, it's, it's so pristine. And I think that's one of the hardest things to master for a new producer. Um, and then there's just a level of complexity and like layering of sounds. Like, you know, you hear guys like Andrew Bayer and he has the, this, this amazing sound design on his bass and like on his leads. And it's like, you know, there, it's not just, you know, one saw patch at a nexus, you know, there's this intense complexity of the sounds that uh, that really adds up. And I've seen some projects actually from like, you know, pretty well-known producers who are, have this absurd production quality. And, you know, they, they'll have this one bass layer that has like, you know, upwards of like eight to ten sounds all individually. Yeah, yeah. like Yeah, all individually like EQ'd and, you know, processed and... It, it's uh, sometimes it's overwhelming because you know no matter how much I layer and tweak and process, you know I'm, I'm at this point where I'm like, man, it's just just not as good as Andrew Bayer, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. I, I, it's definitely difficult. You know, you have some of these more in your face genres like say electro or, um, you know, it, I mean dubstep has a lot of like really cool modulation stuff. So, or you know i don't want to really knock on it but you know you can get away with these really like kind of simplistic really uh like uh kind of rough raw sounds that are really just in your face and forward in the mix and in trance it's like everything is like really glued together and there's this depth that you just don't really hear in a lot of other types of music yeah i mean one uh you know i remember when the the kind of complexo trance or trance 2.0 or whatever they called it was was popular you know that even though it had a lot of similarities between uh complexo it was much more clean like the, yeah. the old electro house in complexo if you listen to say uh wolfgang gartner or oh yeah it's just like super dirty yeah and or like, more fussing like even the drums are just yeah yeah, yeah just yeah. really crunchy and like re- like i said just really in your face and like but yeah, you're right. The electro influence influence trance stuff is just like 
you know, really crisp and well-defined and like just, it's a, it's a different world, even though there are influences from it. It's just, you know, you just don't, it's just really more kind of evolved, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about your, your latest release, the vocal track uh, that is currently at number two on the top 10 releases. Now you've done quite a few vocal uh, remixes before, but what was it like working directly with a vocalist? Uh, it was actually a lot more difficult because, you know, you don't, it, I, especially for me, like, I don't really have, I, I, I shouldn't say I don't really have, I don't have any kind of musical background. So I, you know, when I wrote the track, it was like, I didn't have any kind of, you know, I just kind of did something and sent it to her. And she was like, yeah, I like it. Let me sing something. But then from there, it was like a lot it was a lot more, I don't want to say more difficult, but it was a little bit more tedious than it would be to do like a, a remix of someone else's work because there was a lot of issues with how we wanted it to be arranged and um, really getting everything to sit right and getting the recordings and comping them. And <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a totally different world because when you do these remixes, that's all done for you. You know, yeah, you just, yeah build a new track around this, you know, beautifully calmed vocal that is just handed to you, you know? And I, I, I had done some, some work, uh, like recording and, you know, working a track around a vocalist before, uh, in the Adasha project and never came out, but, you know, so I had some idea of what I was getting into, but, uh, Leilani is like, uh, a little bit of a perfectionist. So it was like, um, it took a little bit longer to finalize the track than it would have if it were just, you know, if it was just me singing and, you know, making my own track, you know, and I, it's not a bad thing at all. I'm super happy with the, with the production and it came out amazing. And I think it's my best track. And, um, you know, so I'm happy that she, you know, she was able to have that input and, you know, say like, no, this needs to, you know, sound better here or whatever, like whatever the tweaks was, but, um, there was a lot more going into it than I than if it were just like a solo remix or production, you know. Right. So I mean, did it because I worked on a vocal track uh, would have been maybe two years ago, and the initial uh, track that I sent out the the production without the vocal that I sent to the vocalist was completely different to how the end product turned out. I'm talking like a completely different song. Did it did it change much from from you know the point. Uh, the the initial idea, I suppose, initial arrangement and the end end product. On Take You Away, really, what we started with was mostly what we finished with. But um, Leilani, uh, rec like the way she recorded it, uh, and like the the timing of the vocal and stuff, um, needed to be adjusted after she did the initial recording because, like, um, I wanted her to be singing over the the intro bass line and then have you know the you know, everything happened in the breakdown and then have the climax be free of the vocal and then have the vocal come back in. And the way she recorded it was, you know, just in the breakdown and then over the, over the climax. So we had to actually redo that. But that that was pretty much it. On, on my end, the instrumental is, is very much the same of, of, you know, in terms of what I started with and finished it, except for I sent her a very bare arrangement to start with. Um, you know, it was like it was like a radio edit at that point. And then I made the full extended mix. But other than that, it was just the idea was entirely there right interesting uh one thing that i mean the vocal is fantastic but the other thing that stands out in that track is the bass line i mean as with all Thank your you. tracks the bass line <laughs> is just it's beautiful uh thank you man 
without giving away too many secrets, could you could you give a bit of insight into into how you made that? Yeah, sure. Um, and really, I'd, I'd be down to give you all of my secrets and <laughs> everyone all my secrets because there are really no secrets to it. Um, really, what I've learned though, I've been spending a lot more time like being like making sure the baseline is really powerful because you know when i'm especially for live sets and radio shows i really wanted to hold up next to you know these bigger producers so that that first when the bass first gets switched in from the last track you know you wanted to be on par so some of the things that i really look for is um really kind of making sure that it's represented across the, the spectrum like I, so I have like a sub bass, a couple mid basses, and a couple high basses. Um, usually the sub bass is by itself, but you know I do a lot of a lot of stuff like layer in additional layers with like a lot of like kind of like reverb and delay and distortion, so that it fills out the high end really nicely. Um, and it, it, it gets kind of messy doing stereo effects on bass lines, right? But you can really get a nice sense of uh, fullness if you if you kind of mix it in subtly. Um, and then really another thing that I've found to be most important and I, I kind of, for some reason, I never thought of it this way, but really adjusting um, the individual layers in terms of, you know, attack, decay, sustain and release. Like I always did that with samples, but I never really, you know, I'd load up a bass patch and I would just leave it and maybe like, you know, manually change the MIDI length to kind of give it a little bit of groove. But once you start tweaking with the actual parameters, um, you, you could really make a baseline mesh really well with the kick if you get all these layers to sit how they should in terms of, you know, the length of the actual sound design. So I, that's kind of been really important, making sure the groove is right, because once you have that, then it's easy to just kind of balance and volume um, your, your baseline versus your kick. So I think those are probably the most important tips I could give on that. So with you know with adjusting the adsr for example uh if you have a high layer you don't necessarily need it to be long so would you bring that down so it's a bit more stabby and then have like say the mid bass a bit more sustained exactly yeah and um another thing uh and i've been doing this on all my bass lines like my rolling bass line is just adding and it, it's a little excessive at this point but i add like um like just a little pitch envelope like with a little bit of decay and it just gives it that little pluck in the beginning i love that and once you like put that in and then you know side chain the baseline you get this really intense groove because that click is coming through a little bit more on each hit so it's like as it sucks up from the side chain you really feel the baseline pump a little bit more right and that if, I, I've been doing that in like all my layers, so I have like you know, like I said, like six to eight layers of bass, and they all have that little pitch envelope. And when you solo it, it sounds a little like it sounds almost like there's just like a really thick percussion on top of it, but it's actually just in the bass sound design. And I mean, even layering in uh, percussion hits on top of the pattern um, that helps too. But um, yeah, like you said, like. Um, as far as like the high end versus the mid, I, I really don't think of it like that. Like, oh, the high end needs to be shorter. It's just kind of whatever the baseline needs in the moment, because like depending on the pattern too, sometimes you want like a little bit more sustain and release. Um, so it really depends on the pattern in the first place. And then, uh, you know, how you time the rest of the individual layers. But yeah, I think it's important to just kind of sit there and tweak and get it right. So what, I mean, what sense would you normally play with when, when making your baselines? I, you know, most of it's silent. Just I, I, I find it super easy to work with. Um, I find like massives interface to be a little bit convoluted, and 
Like it takes me, it takes me a little bit longer just to do everything in massive. Whereas silence, it's just very straightforward. I know, you know, it, it's it, it's like synthesis for dummies almost. Like <laughs> I, my, my my synthesis knowledge is very limited to just like subtractive. Yeah. And yeah. what what is massive? Massive is like additive, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So title. like. Uh, wavetable yeah so i i mean i don't i don't even know what wavetable says <laughs> like, i don't even know what that means I, I mean i know what the envelopes do and i know yeah, yeah. you know all this sort of stuff that you learn but other than that like if you told me to synthesize the sound from scratch i probably wouldn't be able to do it um all my sounds really come from you know other people's patches and then tweaking them with the knowledge that i do have so it's like i, I you know, I understand the fascination with sound design and like, especially when you get into cool stuff like, you know, like modulation and stuff and like vocoders, that's, you know, I could have a field day, but you know, a lot of times I just don't want to, I'm just not in the mood to sit there and tweak endlessly. So yeah, my, my synth use is just silence, uh, a little bit of massive nexus. Um, I like Dune again, super simple interface, you know, it's almost just like silence. Dune two is, you know, pretty awesome. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, you know, I tried Serum and it, again, just too convoluted for me. And I'm like, I'm like sitting there endlessly, like tweaking stuff and not getting a good sound. And I just don't have the patience for it. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, I, I'm the same. And it's funny because uh, Levi and I talked about this in, in the first episode of the podcast, but it's, especially when you're layering so many things together, like I, I feel like more of the time, I feel like the time is better spent on that kind of, uh, you wouldn't call it post sound design. I suppose you would outside of the synth. Um, yeah. The processing. Of yeah. It. The yeah. processing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of people get carried away with sound design, um, instead of actually focusing on so, like right. say the composition. And, and, that, and that's such a, that's such a slippery slope to go down yeah, because there's yeah. so many things you could get hung up in a project already. And sound design is this, you know, it's, it's craft of its own, just like mixed down and mastering art. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, composition, music composition, an art of its own. And then, you know, processing an art of its own. So it's like, there's all these little things that you could get hung up on. And it's like, why waste you so much time making sounds from scratch when you just, you know, load up patches, know which ones you like, you know, tweak them as you want. And then, you know, be able to actually finish a product instead of sitting there, endlessly tweaking and making stuff like making sounds then not using them yeah know? because i mean have you have you listened to a track before and and thought about how long it took for them to design the uh this the sub layer of the bass patch no. yeah God, no you, no, no. <laughs> you don't think that i mean that's <laughs> that's what kind of makes me laugh like the end product everyone says that it's so cliche but it's true like the end product is what counts um, absolutely and it doesn't really matter how you get there so you've had a ton of releases on on a lot of different labels uh what advice would you give to someone who who feels that they're ready to release on a label but isn't too sure how to go about it well i mean the first thing i would do like i said at the beginning of this interview is you know i kind of regret my first couple releases actually and it's um it's because i didn't really reference how they sounded compared to professional releases so it's like you know i was proud of it but in retrospect, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't release them now. I wouldn't even think about releasing them now. <laughs> and um, so the first thing I would do is, um, the way I gauge my tracks now is, it, if I play, if I'm able to play it in a live set, then I'm okay with releasing it. And 
So that's the first thing. And then once you've cleared that and you're like, oh, okay, I could play it next to my favorite producer and not be ashamed of it, then um, I would find, firstly, whatever labels you want to be on. And if, they, if they're not responsive via their public demo email, which a lot aren't, but a lot are. So try there first. And then if not, find a couple artists who are releasing there and just send it to them via their Facebook page or, you know, if you can follow them on Twitter and they follow you back or whatever, send them a DM or if they even have like a public promos or demos email, just send them and be like, hey, I really like your stuff. I think this fits the label you're working with. Uh, if you enjoy it, I would really appreciate it if you could give me a contact, you know, because you know, a lot of, we're on the same boat and a lot of a lot of artists have been very responsive and just like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll send this to someone higher up and see if it gets signed. You know, if you're making a quality product, there's no reason for anyone to deny you that. So that would be my advice. And then if that doesn't pan out, maybe think about giving it out for free, you know, because mm-hmm. you've done that a few times. Uh, yeah. Out. And then I, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And it I, actually, you know, I. I've had tracks that I wanted to sign the labels and labels have wanted them and I was like, you know, screw it, I'm just going to release it for free because, you know, the label is a little bit smaller mm. or I just, you know, don't have to wait a year for it to come out. Right. Yeah. That's a <laughs> bonus too. And, <laughs> oh God, yeah. We could go on for days about our track about how that's not out yet. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of benefits to doing stuff like that and you can... Uh, I, I was talking to you, I think a couple of weeks ago about Hive and you, you know, you didn't really like the interface, but it's really oh, freaking yeah, useful. To it now. <laughs> yeah, it's really useful and they keep getting better. So uh, here's my plug for this, for this podcast. Is, I'll, uh, I'll, link Hive, it. I'll link it in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, Hive.co. I've been using that for all my free download gates and they even have other cool stuff you could do like, you know, like contests for like giveaways and stuff like that. I'm just building this massive email army i have everyone's (laughs) contact info it's great uh yeah but you know something like that is really beneficial to building yourself in the long run because people don't buy music like really who gives a shit about you know my track being number two on beatport other than (laughs) me right now like nobody really cares except for the people who who did buy it which is maybe like 20 people (laughs) like who knows who knows how many people are really buying trance on beatport It's cool to say, and I'm proud of it, but it, you know, in the end, is it really worth it when people aren't going to engage with me afterwards? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do something like a free download giveaway, you have this amazing ability to get people to subscribe to your email list or like your Facebook page or whatever in order to grab your track. And that does keep them engaged, you know? People don't want to have to look for your stuff. They just want to, you know, hop online and see you post on Facebook if they or in the 10% of people that are going to see it if you don't boost your post and you know they'll actually like it so yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are huge benefits to giving it out for free too I, I think that's a really good point and especially regarding the the email list I mean I think um I think oh yeah I asked you a question I asked you if you're building an email list and you you're like no and yeah, then I just, said, oh I, man yeah I just started to do that like recently and I'm like man I should have been doing this from the start you know but uh, it, better late than never, I guess. And it's coming back in a, such a huge way because what else are people going to do? They can't just keep forking, you know, two hundred dollars a month every every month for their little shitty artist. Well, not shitty artist page, <laughs> but you know, for their little yeah, Facebook yeah. page, you know. And uh, email marketing is coming back from the dead because of that. Definitely, so, and it's 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 more direct. I mean, the first thing I yeah. do when I wake up is I check my emails. <laughs> you know before facebook even and and 
like you say, I mean, I, I saw your post in, uh, in the EDM production subreddit uh, this morning, I think, about someone should make a social network that does this. Oh, this yeah. This. I was just like so <laughs> frustrated. I, I got super downvoted for that, but I don't care. Did you? I, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. That, that went down in like 10 minutes. Are you kidding me? Someone was like, that does exist, bro. That's Facebook. Uh. I'm like, no, it's not Facebook. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah bass nectar reaches all of his million fans with every post i'm like but how much money yeah, does he spend he, yeah i was gonna say after he pays two million dollars <laughs> like <laughs> uh, what about yeah. twitter though because i mean you're quite active on there at least from what yeah, i've seen I, i've been trying to do the twitter thing and you know it's hit or miss it's such a hard thing to capitalize because twitter i find people people aren't there to you know find you know they're there to find maybe like massive news from like really big artists and really big events and stuff but for the little guy they don't care they're not there to read your you know i'll buy my latest track on bport or whatever check out my my new fire mixtape fan they're not <laughs> reading that but you know it's great to interact with people because you know especially I, uh, here's another tip use lists because I didn't get Twitter until I I used a list and I was like, holy crap, I can actually find stuff on Twitter yeah, now. It's yeah. amazing. It's a game changer for me. And I've been doing the Twitter thing for like a year now. And I'm like, I don't get I don't get this until today. I used <laughs> I set up a list. And I was like, whoa, I can actually interact with people like normal people. So you could but, set uh, up a list with with, say, uh, artists you admire. Yeah. And you know what? Reach I reach out to them and so forth. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it, not just artists, but what I, what I was also doing, you know, I did. So here's how I a little, little Twitter secret for me is, you know, today I said, I set up a little, little couple lists and I did, you know, artists and then labels and then radio shows. And then I also did fans that actually talk to me. I put them all on a list and I was like, this guy hits me up on Twitter. Like once a week, he's going in that list. And it's important to do stuff like that because, you know, every once in a while I'm going to get online check out that list and be like oh favorite reply meme goes to you you're the freaking best like you know you stay engaged that way and i yeah, didn't yeah. get twitter before that so yeah it's important and i i think it is useful but it's not where it's not going to be your main content outlet you know um it's it's a supplementary thing to me and it's awesome because i could post whatever bullshit i want to on twitter and not really have to worry about my professional presentation like i have to <laughs> facebook page but uh yeah you know. yeah no that's true uh now you're on a label yourself amped artists yeah why why did you start that well i was finding music that no like that was really good like uh joshua ollerton at the time was posting oh, yeah, on the yeah. Juno beats forums and i you know i i listened to his stuff i'm like dude why aren't you signing to like enhance their like you know one of these progressive labels and he's like i sent them my stuff and they just don't even listen and i'm like screw it we're gonna release that we're gonna send that out into the world and that's really how it started uh, i found like him Jaden rex and like even like four frame um you know yourself and it, it's like there was all this music that people were like, oh, no one's listening to, you know, no one wants to pick it up. I was like, screw it, I'll do it, you know? And maybe it's not the most lucrative record label, but there is a certain pride that I have with Amp that's like, you know, I'm kind of helping people not only to have maybe their first couple releases, but I, I'm also in it for them. Like I make, uh, I send, 
uh, tracks off to like Silk and you know Enhanced and stuff like that. Like people send me demos for Enhanced, and I'm like, no, like let's try and do something else with this. Like let's try and get it on a bigger record label. So for me, it's like it's not just about the label or me or growing myself. I I'm there as much within my capacity to help them build their entire presence. You know, so do you have? I mean, where do you want to see it in the future? Bigger or or kind of where it is well, now? I mean. You know, I've I've kind of hit a wall with it. And I'm a little burnt out, so I'm I'm actually thinking about I'm thinking about a lot of things. I'm not going to spoil in this interview for you, especially as an artist, because I you know you're involved with the record label, so I don't want to yeah, yeah, really yeah. just kind of like tell you like oh I'm just closing up shop and moving elsewhere, <laughs> you know. But I, I am, and yeah. uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, um, you know I'm thinking about ways to kind of um, you know make what i have now into something bigger and especially as i get bigger as an artist it's important for me to kind of funnel that success into the label and it's been hard not having um an immediate connection between my stuff as monoverse and and not only because i i haven't released on the label yet but just because they're like there's nothing that connects the two individual brands like in terms of you know design or anything like that yeah, or yeah. you know um, so for me, it's just kind of been two very separate projects. So now I'm thinking about ways to incorporate the two and get people more involved and make the reach larger. Cause I, now I'm getting to the point where I have a bit of a name for myself and I can, you know, hopefully pitch it to the right people and make it into something bigger. So yeah, that's the plan. Um, probably early 2016, I'll, I'll know for sure or or already have done, hopefully, um, whatever I, I decide I really want to do with Amped. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy with the things that we've done, but uh, with a little bit more manpower and, you know, the right presentation, I think it could be something really big. So hoping for next year to make that happen. For sure, man. That's that's exciting. Uh, one One more production question before we... Uh, do a few quick ones one thing that stands out in your track in all your tracks is the uh, the composition and especially the melodies uh, now I, I can't remember if you told me whether you have like a theoretical background or not no, or you use, no, so you, not at all <laughs> oh, okay. so, so when you're writing a melody you don't come at it from a theoretical uh, standpoint no. and I, I mean I do you know just from the necessity of having to go out and read you know, I know like, uh, you know, scales, uh, chords. Yeah. Notes. yeah. Um, so I, I do know theory in, in theory, but in, in application, it's, you know, it's a different thing. I, I don't really, I never started track and think like, oh, the chord progression is going to be like, you know, the one to the four to the five, you know, it's never, it's never anything like that for me. And, uh, uh, yeah. So it's just, you know, whatever happens, happens. So you just, you just <laughs> play around and, and see what comes up. Yeah, just kind of click and and hope for the best because uh, I don't I don't play an instrument either and I, I would like to in the future when uh, when I'm a little bit more settled um, and have the time to really invest in actually learning to play keyboard. Um, but yeah, for now it's just been kind of poking around in the dark with whatever little music. Uh, theory so, so there's no little have. secret that uh, I can steal and use for myself. Oh, I'm sorry, <sighs> and you know it's funny that you mentioned that because I feel like composition is by far my weakest part. I, I yeah. struggle. Yeah, I struggle so much with, like I said, it takes me like two or three weeks of sitting around and like, 
you know, dicking around with chord progressions and melodies until I'm like, okay, this might be decent enough to make into a real track. So, uh, you know, it, well, it's it, a it certainly shit. turns out well. I mean, your track, uh, <laughs> I listened to it the other day, uh, Glide. Glide, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I God, I hate that, that song. <laughs> no, nah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and there's so much stuff going on in terms of composition. You know, well, thank you, man. I, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad that you like it, and a lot, <laughs> you know, a lot of people really do like that song. Ministry of Sound liked it, so I mean, yeah, that says and I'm, I'm so on the fence about that one. I'm like, uh, this is really not good. I don't know, I don't know why, but it's funny though because when I released it, I was like, no one's gonna really like this, and I, I, I really to this day think it's really not that great. But you never know what. People, what's going to stick with people which is why i think for a lot of producers not getting signed that it's important that you know if it is up to scratch in one way or another like you should put it out because you know i've had people come up to me and be like oh dude that track that you gave out for free was amazing i'm like uh obviously it wasn't uh <laughs> but i'm glad you know you never know what's gonna really stick with people yeah i mean i've i've sent tracks to you that i absolutely hate and you're like oh this is amazing like Let's put it yeah. on Amped and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't and it, 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 you never know what's going to strike, you know, really stand out to people because, you know, one's man, one man's trash is another man's treasure. You know, mm, it's kind mm. of a crappy way to put it. but well, it's, it's true, though. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, let's jump into these these quick fire questions. Uh, let's say you're stuck on a desert island with only a laptop. You have access to only three plugins. What would those plugins be? Ooh. Well, my first guess would be the glue, but that's in Ableton 9 now, so I don't need to bring that with me. Um, plugins or synths? Or Mate, let me let me rephrase. Uh, you have Ableton Live. Uh-huh. You have an EQ compressor by default, but nothing else. Uh, oh. Three plugins, audio effects or synths. Um, oh. Ooh. So silence, mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, Valhalla vintage verb, mm-hmm. mm, and the classic delay by uh, how do you pronounce it? Cower House. I know the one. That's interesting. Yeah, is, that, is, that the, is that the free one? Yeah, it's the freeware that bundle. I mean, if okay. you were if you would let me, I would take that whole bundle with me to the island. But <laughs> you know, if it just has to be one, it'd be the delay. Why? That's a tough. That's a why tough, the delay? Because it it's so cool, right? Like Ableton's delays, they only have these little. I mean, they only have like the three uh, the timing settings that are like really kind of straightforward. So it's like you know the two, three, four, and then six, eight, sixteen. And it's like, but in in the uh, in the powerhouse delay, however you pronounce it, you know, you have like the three sixteen settings and stuff like that. So it's like you get a little bit more control over the timing of the hits. Um, and ideally, I would say I would have Logic's delay, but I can't have that in Ableton. So I'll take Classic Delay by by Cowerhouse and you know have a little bit more control over my delay signal. Right, right. I see. Okay. Uh- What's the best piece of advice you've been given regarding music production? Hmm. Best piece of advice regarding music production from a technical standpoint or from a- Kind of any standpoint. Uh, just something that someone said to you or or whatever. 
Probably just finish everything, and it's not something that I follow to this day because you know I, I I come up with a lot of crap. But when you're first starting out, you know it's important to kind of finish everything that you start because you get exponentially better. And this is something that I I say in every interview, and it always comes back. So it's like you know you finish one project, and you know it might have taken you two weeks. Like for for my first project, it took me six months to finish, and then the next one six I finished. Months. Yeah, yeah, it was really bad, and I shouldn't have done anything with it. I should have moved on so long before that. Yeah. But after I finished that, it took me two weeks to do the next one, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that point, it was like a week, and then a couple of days, and then... Um, so it's like every time you finish something, you get exponentially better, and your workflow gets better, and your 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 ability to problem solve and the mix down and you know every other aspect is just so much better. So yeah, really the best piece of advice from a production standpoint is really... Finish as much as you can. I, I'll, 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 I'll change it up to that. Finish as much as you possibly can yeah. because you just get so much better. Yeah, I, I fully endorse that. And like quickly, just quickly, one of the main reasons it's so important to do that is that you develop evenly. So if you're, if you're a producer, you're listening and you and you start like ten projects and finish one. Um, it probably means that you're you might be composing a track 10 times maybe arranging it but you're never getting to the mix down or you're never right yeah you know so you're not developing evenly you're developing the ability to actually start tracks and do the all the things involved with that um but when it comes to the like the tail end of the production process you have Which no is idea the what's worst doing. yeah and then <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's just the, the that difficult. last time you know that last like doing the effects and like oh, just man. shit like that it's, it's just the worst and you're never gonna get a good workflow for it until mm, you know you actually sit down and do it so yeah that's an absolutely great point like mm, just got sure. i think everyone should follow that <laughs> definitely uh okay one more question has there been a book resource or say youtube tutorial that's helped you significantly make or make significantly better music edmprod.com boom oh. <laughs> boom um so kind. Uh, <laughs> actually, yeah, uh, yeah. Your website has been actually really, really a great resource. Like, there's, it's just. I, I mean, I remember uh, not to you know blow steam up your ass or anything, but I remember when the site <laughs> first started, and like I saw people kind of kind of hating on you on the Anjuna Beats forums, and I was like, you know, this guy I, is actually trying I didn't to see that. Fortunately, <laughs> yeah, you, you definitely did see it because you you totally oh, replied to it. Yeah, oh, this is no. like your first. This was like your first article. I mean, okay, well, in first... that case, in that case, it was warranted because some of those first <laughs> articles sucked. <laughs> right. Well, this is what I was. You know, this is what I was getting at, which was yeah, maybe you know the content wasn't as, as wasn't the best at first, but over time you really developed it into this like really critical thing for producers like the 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 resources that you put out through your website like the too long damn read music theory super helpful and you know just stuff like that uh has actually been really helpful for me um outside of that um seamless ours whatever his name is tutorials on sound design really cool um i mean i i read a lot of forums mainly uh reddit EDM production forums, uh, transatic forums, uh, able, uh, like I said, um, and Junibee's forums. Uh, Is that still they, alive? You know, not as much anymore, but there's still good stuff on there. Yeah, like if yeah. you dig through posts and, you know, um, 
some of the stickies are helpful uh, especially in the trans addict one there's some really old threads in there that are like kind of timeless um and really just youtube youtube everything's on youtube you can learn everything from youtube so i think that's everything's out there for free really yeah in one way or yeah, another yeah. and you know we're kind of lucky to have that in, in a sense because you know you go back 10 15 20 years ago trying to learn music production you didn't have anything except for you knew your initial investment was going to be like 10 grand and <laughs> then you had to sit there and learn how to use this you know 10 grand crappy mixing board and synthesizer like set up and record everything so i you know i can't even fathom that everything is out there on youtube now and it's like if i want to know how to make a sound or you know write music a certain way and just be like hey you know composing composing songs in minor modes like that's it it's there and uh i can't imagine not having that <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just amazing uh well it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you thanks for sharing some some insight into your production process and and many other things as well uh before you go though where can people find you online oh yes i love plugging my stuff uh <laughs> com, uh facebook twitter youtube and soundcloud.com slash moniverse and yes i finally got all the urls together which is awesome um thanks to a very nice guy on twitter it's no longer moniverse music it's just at moniverse oh, nice. <laughs> um instagram.com slash moniverse itunes store if you search moniverse radio that's my podcast uh for the label amptartist.com i think that's everything awesome man well thanks heaps for coming on and uh, have a fantastic evening. You too, man. Thanks for having me. Everybody jump in.